When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Welcome to Health and Safety Conversations. Here's your host, Tom Bourne. And welcome to Health and Safety Conversations. I'm your host, Tom Bourne, and with me today is Dione Drew. How are you, Drew? Well, I'm good, mate. We finally got it to happen. Thank you so much. Oh, look, I've wanted this literally since I think it was episode two. I've been <laughs> been hoping you could come on. So, oh, now you're well known in industry circles, but for those who don't know about you, can you tell us a bit about your history in your career and uh, your interest in safety and what are you doing currently at, well basically now sort of thing wow okay I'll give you the very short version um I started in the mining industry on my 18th birthday literally the very day I turned 18 I started in kitchens within a couple of weeks I was in laboratories and then I went um, and worked on process plants as a crush operator then I became what used to be called a mill rat, which is a process technician. And then I worked underground with survey. I worked in pits off siding um, uh, blast drill rigs. Um, and then I became a safety weirdo, which is a term of love and respect, um, and a trainer and assessor. And the last 10 years or so, I've been in the leadership space, the cultural, uh, the workplace culture space and leadership space. And that's 35 years of my life right there, um, very fast version. And the last, what I'm doing now, I'm working for um, my own good self, Hard Hat Mentor. It's a consultancy. I also work for uh, Osprey International, who are a risk management company. Most of them are ex-SAS people from the military. Mm-hmm. One of my old Chevron leaders, um, Grant Walsh, runs the company. He's a director and he's mm-hmm. a legend. Um, so we have been trying to hook up and I've been trying to do some work for them for a number of years and the stars finally aligned as a leadership coach and we're working on closure projects for one of the big boys in the industry Mm -hmm. Um, and so I've recently just spent some time on the Gove closure project in East Arnhem Land so that's going to be ongoing I also work for Clive Lloyd um, of GYST who's my Yoda my mentor um, most people will know Clive, if not just Google the man. Um, he's the one who literally taught me how to be a coach when I was with Chevron. And in the very first workshop, I said, one day I'm going to work for you. And he probably thought he's this little upstart, but now I do. So I'm on call for him. Um, I also work for myself and I work for, with my sister, uh, Leandrew, who is also known in Queensland um, as Mad Mumsy, she has a podcast called Beers with a Minor, mm-hmm. and we say so. I'm hard hat. I'm hard hat mentor. I'm Mad Mumsy, and together we are Steel Cap Sisters. So that's our venture. Um, we have just a few podcasts in the pipeline, very far and few between. But we're also working on a children's book, and we've got big plans for a lot of things. Um, 
I've also got a online teachable platform. So there's workshops online and coaching online. There's all sorts of stuff going on. So that's me. I live with an underground shift boss. We've been together 20 years. We live in Mandra, got half acre, and we do BCF, uh, boating, camping, fishing, yep. pretty much. And, yeah, I feel very blessed to have the life that I have. Yeah. Is that enough? That's 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 superb. Uh, Mandra, I was down there for the first time, first time last weekend. My God, it's a lovely part of the world. Yes. Um, for anyone who doesn't know it, it reminds me very much of Red Cliff in Queensland. It is very relaxed, down by the water. It's got a real good vibe to it as well. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, right. There's a few things which 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 spark my interest in your description. First of all, um, it looks like you've done pretty much everything in the mining game. <laughs> what's what was your most what's what's been the the, the best or most the thing that's uh, satisfied you the most, what what position was that? Well, that's a very hard question. Um, I think it's going to sound really, really selfish, but I think I became a bit of a fig jam when I worked for Chevron and Kitty Mat in uh, British Columbia. Mm-hmm. And it was month on, month off, and I had the business class flights, and I was helping oil and gas safety weirdos become coaches on a massive oil and gas project. And I felt like all my years of hard yards in the dirt over the 30 years had finally reaped me a reward. Yep. Um, but we were working very closely with their people um, to try and obviously stop people getting snotted, which is my why. Um, and it it all, it all fell down because the Apache pulled out the, the JV partner and then the global dramas hit. And it broke my heart. And then I realised that it's not about where you are, what roster you're on, what country you're in or what you think you deserve. It's about what difference are you making. And so um, there was, there's been other times just back in the day when I was a normal four weeks on, one week off contractor, safety weirdo, on the ground with the boys and girls um, just trying to make a difference versus being in a corporate office trying to convince a board that their safety record really needs some help. There's no way to really pick and choose as long as you feel like you're making a difference and you can look yourself in the mirror. And I remember I walked away from quite a few companies. I started running out of them, actually. And Clive said to me at one point, um, Clive Lloyd, he said, it's because your personal values aren't aligning with what's going on. And that's why you feel sick. That's why I started getting ill. That's why you don't want to go to work. That's why you're mm-hmm. angry. That's why your personal life's suffering because your personal values aren't aligning. And I don't know, mate, I don't think it's much to ask for companies to care about their people. And I believe they do. I just don't think they've got skills to outwardly show it. And that's what we try and do is upskill leaders, you know, apart from the compliance, which sadly isn't going away, is the care factor. Um, yep. how are you showing every day that you literally care about your people? And people say, oh, well, we do this, we do that. We've got the EAP, we've got the mental health. So how do you literally show that on a daily basis? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a big question. Yeah, look, um, yeah, I, I, I read some research the other day and it was about a particular company and it said um, something like 60% of their employees believe their supervisors actually cared for them but then when they were asked how do they demonstrate that care to you there was something in about 18 percent who said they could tell you know there was something they did that showed that they cared so yep it seems to be a bridge that we've still got supervisors and managers who feel like they can't show you know uh, being human uh like caring about their people and opening themselves up for caring about their people but you know you know as well as I do, if you work away or you work away from people, you develop close bonds with those people you work with day in and day out. And some of the best people I've worked with have been working in remote locations for extended periods of time. And you, you sort of, because you actually have to depend on them, you develop this high level of trust between you. And um, yeah, I spoke to um, young Clive 
Uh, I recorded him four days ago. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yay. I've got an awful lot of time for, for Clive. Um, and one of the big things he pushes is you can't have like psychological safety on the site unless you have that trust. Exactly. And, and, and particularly he's pushing the thing that leadership relies on to build trust, relies on competence, caring, um, and compassion, I think, were the three he used. And I went, well, yeah, who yeah. would have thought that, you know, leaders don't know how to do that? Yeah, and competency, I think, is in there. And, um, yeah, everything I do pretty much stems from his teachings to me that aligned very much when we first met with everything I'd been trying to do anyway, which is, you know, paperwork's not going away, but how can we get belief, <clears throat> excuse me, in back into said risk management tools, right? Yeah. Oh dear. All right. Um why that why that why the mining game at 18? What what made you think that's it for me? I'm going in there because you've stayed there your whole working life. Mm. What what what's what's the attraction? Well, at first it was just convenience. Um, I got in there because my mother got in there and um, we were working in a town only 40 kilometres away and I had no idea about any of it. And back then, even in operations, the roster was six weeks on, one off. That was it, normal, like in operations, not construction. Yep. yep. Um, the money was good, um, all the things. You didn't have to have a lot of skills back then to get in. Mm -hmm. So... Um, but I always had ambition and it didn't, they let you try anything pretty much. Um, the tickets have caught up later, yeah. you know, to, to be qualified. But the reason I've stayed in it is, you know, the, the block of time off is brilliant. Um, you can go away in the middle of the week and you don't have to worry about the rest of the world. Um, the money isn't a bad thing. Um, but it's more about, the surrogate family and the bonds that you form when you're out there yeah. is truly, unless you've been there, you don't understand how strong that can be. And yeah. um, I, I stay there because they are a breed. We are a breed. Firefly workers are a unique breed that no one else gets unless they've done it. Mm -hmm. They think they get it. And there's yeah. a lot of inquiries telling us what we should be doing, which I fully support as long as they're taking it from the people who've lived it not from yep. the people who went to uni and think this is how we should be living it. Um, yep. But, yeah, it's it's the camaraderie. It's the I don't have to worry about what I wear to work. I don't yep. have to cook my food. I don't have to do my dishes. You know, I don't have to brush my hair. I can shove a hard hat on. I'm good to go. Um, but the main things are the blocks of time off you get that I couldn't do. I'd rather put pins in my eyes and do nine to five in peak hour traffic. Um, I, I can't. I can't. I couldn't do it. Um, and any, any time I think I want time off from it, I've had like one year here or there, tried a few other things, but it wasn't the same. And I miss, I miss the cruise and I miss the family that you get when you're not, they're your other family. They really are. They, they are. They are. As I said, you, you come to depend on them. And when you're coming on, you're all lining up at the airport together. We're all catching the bus together. Yeah. And same when you're leaving. It's all the same thing, and um, yep. yeah, I. It's been over ten years since I done FIFO, and I, I still got people that I talk to regularly because, yep. although you go your separate ways, they're still your family. They're still your brothers yep. and sisters, you know. Um, they are. It, it is hard to explain. All right, um, for those who and I believe in the last six years, I think the figures were the last six years. There's been an increase of in WA of people working in the resources industry of, of around about 50,000, which is about 50% increase than it was six years ago. There's an awful lot of people, both in Eastern states and in WA, who go, you know, they've never gone and worked away and stuff like that. They've never gone in a remote area. What are some of the challenges you can tell them about that you're going to face when you go and, and work remotely? Well, there's many. Um, I'll definitely go and check out my sister's stuff because she's all about that, Mad Mumsy, um, about trying to help people who don't know. But for me, do your research, speak to people who do it, talk to your family around 
you know, guess what? I may not be home for birthday, Christmas, Valentine's Day, Johnny breaks leg. Most companies are pretty good with family actual emergencies. Mm-hmm. Um, you do not get a lot of time to yourself. By the time you get home and you got to shower and eat if you want to exercise or have a couple of beers or whatever, then you need to be asleep. To get eight hours, it's a very tight timeline and you're in a very small room. Um, they've got a lot of recreational facilities. There's not a lot of time to use them. Um, you're going to work very closely with people all day and possibly have to wash your clothes with them and eat your meals with them. Um, and they may not be going anywhere. You might not like some of them. Hmm. But for me, mostly it's about uh, doing your research and speaking to many people who have done it and get as many viewpoints as you can about the benefits and the drawbacks, the pros and the cons. Um, try to, I would say, because what people don't realise is when they say, oh, I've been doing this for a year, depending on your roster, well, no, you haven't. It's six months, mm-hmm. best class scenario if you're on an even time. Yeah. I would say give yourself a full year, which is only six months on site, to see if you like it, your family likes it, before you commit to any golden handcuffs, as we call it, before you get in debt, thinking you're going to do this for the next 10 years or five years even um, and have an exit plan and have a plan B because it's not for everybody. Yep. Um, It really isn't. And it can be very lonely. Um, It can be very challenging. It can be the best thing you've ever done in your life. It depends on so many variables that there's not one piece of advice that will fit any one person. Um, But the, the biggest thing is, um, you get out of it what you put into it. So, you know, if you do your research, speak to your family, take some time to say this may or may not be for us, but let's see. Um, and also know what you're getting into, you know, what is the connection. Some places the Wi-Fi and the way you can speak to your people at home isn't real flash. Mm. Others is. Some of the roster's crap. Some of the room's crap. The food's crap. Um, mm. Some of it's brilliant. Yeah. Um, but <clears throat> the first few swings is going to be conscious overload of information. Yep. It's going to be terminology you've never heard. It's going to be so much compounding your brain and a culture shock that give that some time to settle before you decide you don't want to do it mm-hmm. because it's going to be very, very scary. But um, if you're a person that does think it's good for you and your family supports that, it can be an amazing, amazing opportunity financially um, and personally as well. It can be a really, really good thing, but definitely do your research. There's plenty out there, but I don't just mean read some stuff. Speak, find people. Speak to people. Who are, you know, what didn't work. There's lots of divorces. You know, there's lots of, um, well, there's lots of reports out at the minute around the challenges that are out there, right, Mm, mm. Um, and how you face those if you're confronted with them um for me it's all about leadership <laughs> who's your leader yeah, yeah. Right. i i i gotta say uh for me uh it also it, it depends a little bit on your attitude towards it okay. if you if you go out and go i'm going to experience this and i'm going to have fun and i'm going to enjoy myself and i'm going to see parts of australia that 90 percent of people will never see mm-hmm. It makes a big difference because if you're going there, oh, I'm just enduring this for another year and a half so I can get enough to buy a new car or whatever, whatever, you're counting down the days right from the word go. You're basically you're going to be miserable the whole time. But the other thing I found, occasionally you're right about fatigue it, 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 and getting tired and not getting enough sleep. Yeah, people didn't understand when I was doing it. You literally... You're right. You came home. You might have done a little bit of exercise, a little bit. Yeah, you ate your food and you went to bed. And that was basically it. That was basically it because otherwise you're completely shagged the next day. Um, and and that would that would compound and compound and compound. And when you're constantly tired, you start feeling bad and you start making dumb decisions as well. So yeah, I, I it's a big difference doing 12-hour days plus travel to and from a site than it is, you know, seven and a half hours in the city. It's it, 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 There is a significant difference. And when when people say, oh, they people in FIFO get paid so much, well, 
they're working extra hours. They're doing 50% more work than you, you know, and yeah. they're away from their family and friends. I know. When people like civilians, as I call them, they are, aren't you lucky you're a rich mine? I'm the hang on a minute, mate. What do you get for an hour? Okay, time's up by 12. Okay, time's up by four weeks at because I did that for many, many years at a yeah. time. Yeah. They're there. What for? I'm there. No, no days off, mate. You might get well, you get one, or you might get two off in there. And they do the sums and they go, wow, I'd be on heaps of money in there. Yeah, right. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. Now add on, like you said. But you're right, the attitude. But for me, the way to get that pre-frame in your mind and, you know, what boots you're going to wear, if you like, in your head when you go out there is to do the research. So you're armed with it before you go. And then when you're there, I call it um, reframe before the plane, like even on your way home, some people bring a lot of baggage home mm-hmm. and <laughs> – even if the plane's delayed, right, for instance, this is on my teachable thing. I do this thing around framing and reframing. And and so reframe before the plane. So the plane's delayed six hours. Yep. It happens quite yes, often. It, it may be delayed for days. And the first thing you say, even if you've been two and one, two weeks on, one off, but when you get off, those people who are greeting you, could be your wife, kids, could be your friend, could be anybody, the first thing out of your mouth, instead of "g'day, hi, so good to see you," is normally "wow, wow, would have been home earlier if the plane hadn't been bloody delayed." Blah blah blah. It's like, really, is that yeah. what you really want to do? So they've carried all that on the flight, and that's yep. the first thing that comes out of their mouth. Versus, well, why is the plane delayed? You know, maybe mm. it was going to fall out of the sky, yeah. and you know, as as negative as this sounds, I've finished work and a good day waiting for a plane is better than a bad day at work. I mean, there are so many reframes you can do. Um, but, but yeah, there's, I met a newbie the other day on a plane and she said, oh, the plane's here, we're good. I said, no, we're not, mate. It's going to be taking and, off before. Yeah, she actually sat next to me. She goes, oh, we're in the air, we're good, mate. And then, no, we're not, mate. She goes, when are we good? I said, when we land at the other end, then we're good. Yep. Had many flights either a return back to the airport you came or or diverted somewhere else. Uh, it does happen. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, dear. And oh, one of the things I found also was the food on site makes a big difference to your morale. Oh. It really does because you do 12 hours a day, you got only the people around you. The The last thing you want to be coming home is to, is to slops or the same I'll call it that what it is. It's the same shit every day yep. for for weeks at, at a time. Yeah, that's pretty ordinary. The best the best sites I've been on, to be honest, are the ones which actually had the best food. I mean, yep. It, I, yep. I, I used to go away and put on weight because I just yep. love the food. But yeah, you know, some sites yeah, no, maybe not. That makes a huge difference. You know, I don't think a lot of companies understand. You feed us well, give us some good accommodation, give us a decent roster, we'll give you our blood art and soul, mate. That's you know, exactly we right. don't ask a great deal, um, but even because we eat with our eyes, right? That's right. So the food may be tasty, but if they don't take the time to present it in said Bay Marie's, then it doesn't, it's not the same. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, hard hat mentor. You've already spoken a little bit about it. Do you just work with the companies that you're currently on site with or do you give advice to or contract out to other companies as well? Yes, I'm a consultant. So sometimes I will help them deliver their own frameworks. In other cases, I get approached to go out and create something my own good self um, for whether it's aimed at safety, whether it's aimed at team building, um, whether it's aimed at alignment, values alignments, um, whether it's at, you know, senior leadership team level or just crew level, um, it's pretty much whatever they need. Someone very smart once told me a long time ago that whatever they want, tell them you can do it, Drew. And I thought, well, that doesn't sound right. But it turns out <clears throat> whatever anyone's wanted, I've been able to do and deliver and get very good feedback from. And I, I didn't even know I could do some of it. One of it was for a planning day. And, you know, I mean, for you, if someone said to you, can you run a two-day planning workshop for us, what would be one of your first questions you'd ask them? What do you want it to be on? What do you want me to focus on, perhaps? Yeah, I mean, well, what are you planning? <laughs> you know, I, mean, I just said, well, what are we planning? And when they told me, I went, oh, okay, I might need some more information around that. Um, but, yeah, whether it's team building, I do a lot of my own bespoke stuff, but yeah. also 
Someone also very smart a while ago told me this, and a lot of us who have got the industry experience, who are leadership coaches, and a lot of consultants share consultants. So mm -hmm. people who want safety initiative revamps or, you know, leadership type coaching, but have got their own programs, they yeah. don't really have the capability of people who are fearless facilitators, as I call myself, because there's a big difference between a trainer and a facilitator. Um, or if you want to do a pulse check or a diagnostic survey, you know, a focus group, these are the sorts of things that many companies will approach me on and know that I can do. Um, I guess I do call myself a psychologist's translator because mm. I work so closely with Clive and also mm. um, Dr. Luke Daniel as well. They are industry expert psychologists who truly understand what the future should look like that I'm actually a fan of. So, um, and then other people who have branched off, who have worked with them in the past are spreading the same sort of word in a different way. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I guess hard hat mentor, the crux of it is to look after their psychological safety. Yep. Um, and it's all about their own leadership, but also how to manage up, how to manage sideways. Um, and someone once said to me, are you a life coach? And I flat out said, no, I'm not a life coach. You can't yeah. coach half a person. And, you know, I do find that quite often, especially in FIFO, a lot of my coaching is around dealing with the FIFO life and the struggles mm -hmm. people are having on top of the work troubles they're having and the support they need there as a leadership coach. It's not just about that. It's about the dramas they're facing at home and how that is yep. affecting. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. The ripple effect of that to their performance at work. Yep. And people say, well, you can't be a counsellor. I'm not pretending to be a counsellor. I'm just a trusted ear. Mm. Um, that will keep aiming it back at well, how you're going to deal with that at work, and you know yeah. all the things. And it, 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 there's no cost on compassion, I would think. You know, so, uh -uh. Yeah. And it, it's just caring about people. It's um, <clears throat> all right. Supervisors, supervisors on sides. God, I've seen some shit supervisors, Drew. I've seen yeah. some absolute shockers. I've also seen some brilliant ones as well. Yep. Uh, to be a good supervisor in the mining in mining game, what do you need to know? What do you need to have? I think you need to have very high emotional intelligence and a lot of supervisors sadly don't even know what that means because they haven't been upskilled in that side of it. Um, <clears throat> in theory, a lot of supervisors who may or may not be seen as shit supervisors are very good on the tools or technically they get bumped up whether they want to or not. I see yeah. it more as an organisational failure than their personal failure. Um, but that's the coach in me because we can't help someone if we go in as a judgy, assumptive thinking human, right? Yeah. So if I meet a so-called shit supervisor, I just want to know why. Mm. Why are you a shit supervisor? Um, and there could be very, very many reasons. But I believe we do have not as an industry, historically, we're starting to, given them the skills, the soft skills, they call them soft skills and they are the harder skills on the planet to learn. Um, in theory, I will assume they are technically savvy. Mm -hmm. They know their stuff. You find yeah. out pretty rapidly if, if they don't. Um, it's usually the other side that they're lacking. It's yeah. the um, choosing to respond versus react. It's the don't be a bully. It's it's work with your team. Don't bark orders. It's going with a humble inquiry. Ask, even if you know the answer. Be a coach. Yeah. Don't be a supervisor. Um yeah. They believe 
And again, not their fault because they haven't been given the tools to be yeah. the best version of themselves. Yeah. Some of them, don't get me wrong, I think <laughs> I think they know what they're like and they're quite happy to be that way. And you'll get one, I'd say probably one in probably 30 that I meet is just a flat-out old-school bully and wants to stay that way and doesn't give a rat's. Yeah. Now, yeah. decent company will performance manage them out because we can't have that anymore. Um, but I think what they need is to ask, to understand that they got they they need support in all areas to be a holistic leader, and you know they may have a leader because whenever I see a shit supervisor, the first thing I do is look at their leader because if everyone knows they're a shit supervisor, that's not their fault anymore, right? Yeah. It flows that's, downhill, doesn't it? Yeah, well, that's um, they're enabling that sort of behaviour, whatever it, it could be. So um, if they don't performance manage people out and hold them to account mm. whilst giving them the chance to improve whatever it is that isn't working, then that's an organisational failure. That's not that person's fault. But, yeah, I've met some shit supervisors, mate, and I don't blame them. Nah, I blame nah. their leader, their leader, and their leader, and the organisation and the industry for allowing these people. And then, even if they performance manage them out, they go and work for someone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah true. Hey, um, I, I, I always found that it's you're right. People who are good in a particular job tend to get promoted, but then they don't get any support. It's not. Yeah. And supervising or managing people is a completely different game than being, you know, basically the gun doing mm -hmm. your, your your job. Yeah. Um, and if they're not shown and if they're not nurtured, if they're not mentored, you know, you're going to get what you get. Um, yep. And you yeah. are. And you know, most of them, mate, they've got a, they may not admit it outwardly, but most of them, like the rest of the world, has got this huge fear of public speaking. And they get yeah. thrown up to run these meetings and these pre-starts and they do it very badly. Guess what? Because they haven't been taught and been given the confidence how to do it better. Yeah. You know, they say, oh, he's shit at pre-start. And they well, what help has he had? Yeah, yeah, yeah. First first two years I did pre-start meetings, the hands were going like this. I had sweat down, to, halfway down my shirt under thing. Oh, I hated it. I absolutely hated it. But it's... Yep. One of those things you get better at it if you just keep going. Uh, all right. Hmm. I really like the way you've actually upskilled yourself along the way. And I, if, if anyone in in any sort of resource industry, I think that's a smart way to do. You 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 start off with something, but never take for granted that that's where you're going to end up. And you should be constantly looking to upgrade your skills. And that you got opportunities when you got time off. Yeah. Yep. I think you have to. Yep. Um, all right. Biggest safety challenge in the mining industry at the moment, in your opinion, is? Um, psychological safety or the lack thereof. Yep. Yep. Um, agree. Now, of course, there's a whole lot of other stuff I could go into, but, you know, that's for me is I'm very, very glad to see the industry is realising the importance of said psychological safety mm. um, because it we can throw more compliance at anything, but it doesn't mean that we're going to get anywhere. Um, you know, if all the risk management tools that we use were used as intended, would they work? Maybe. Are they working? No. Um, but if we've got that trust and the communication between, you know, leaders at all levels, then that's going to really, really help the safety down the hole because the ripple effects of leadership is massive from the boardroom, the decision-making, mm. the resources, the manning, the budget. But more importantly, the, the people speak up and there's no secrets. Like <laughs> whenever I go to a site, I say to said general managers, if I do my job well, your near misses and first aids are going to go through the roof. He said, what do you mean, Drew? I said, because you're going to actually hear about stuff that's been going on forever that you didn't know about, right? Um, but psychological safety includes the mental health aspect, inclusion, diversity, bullying, harassment, sexual harassment, the whole gambit. Um, it's a big job. It's not going to happen overnight. There's a lot of good people working on it. Yep. And I just hope 
some of the companies who are doing things that's not lip service, they actually mean it. Yep, yep. That's what I'd like to. Um, companies like Rio put out a pretty frank assessment of their of what what their problems are in FIFO sites. Yes. Today, Chevron released one which is pretty damning. An independent company came in and spoke to their workers, et cetera. It's a pretty damning thing. But here's the thing. Congratulations for them. Yes. For having the guts to not only review their practices, but then to publish them yep. and say, we'll take the heat yep. and we'll be held accountable. And they will be held accountable because if nothing changes, it's out there for everyone to see now. Yep. And something's got to change. Um, but I agree, mate. I was blown away that um, the likes of Rio um, were so transparent. And there's other companies out there who's got these reports too, but guess what they're not doing? Oh, so, no, they're not going to release them. You know, I, I know one particular. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But, I yeah. really, really, really take my heart out off and lay it at the ground and say, yep, you got a problem, but thank you for sharing it with us. Yeah. Um, because now you're opening it up to the whole world. Um, and I didn't know Chevron let one out today whoa i'll have to check it, that out it, it it's there um I'll, I'll send it to you i'll send it to you via linkedin but um really good because it, it paints it a pretty poor picture but at least they're admitting it at least that's giving them exactly. something to work on if yep. by by putting these reports out it's saying to their people it's okay to report this stuff exactly. it's okay um we want to hear about it and we'll do something um, I, I see Chevron from that report today, basically that they've got a, a thing on a no blame culture, mm -hmm. but one of the things they found was over half the workforce doesn't believe it. Exactly. But, but um, this industry, we've been sprouting that off for decades. Yeah. yeah oh, we're yeah. here to, we don't want to blame. We want to learn. Really? Yeah. That's not how it's coming across in the incident investigation, mate. You know, as well as I do, if, if, if you do what's called a, a major infraction, Regardless of if you were, uh, if it was just a mistake or not, you're shown the window seat, and that's it. Yep. You're never coming back, uh, and everyone knows that. Yep. You know, you've taken out a, a big loan on a house, and you're potentially going to lose that income. Uh, well, of course, if if you think you're going to get the sack, you're not going to report stuff, are you? Well, exactly, and you know the old life saving rules and all the things that. I get it. I get it why they were there in the day, but I've heard myself say out loud to so many big kahunas, they're life-saving rules, mate, not job-saving rules. Yeah. yeah. You know, you can't be a little bit pregnant. Um, I say that a lot too, which sounds bad, but you know what I mean? It's like, so what happens? How many people are you going to sack? What are you actually learning? Like Clive says, you can blame or you can learn, but you can't do both. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And the thing is, in these days where we seem to be struggling for workers as it is, you're sacking people left, right and centre. You're going to be struggling to uh, keep your productivity up because there's just a limited supply of people willing to go out and work in these conditions. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, but, no, I'm, I'm very glad to hear Chevron have released theirs as well. Thanks for sending me that. That'll be good to see. Um, I will tell you that on the 60 Minutes special and some of the other reports I've read, I was shocked. Um, I mean, I'm not naive. I know this stuff goes on. I just, if someone had told me that people were getting raped on a FIFO yeah. site, I would have, you could knock me off my chair because, you know, back in the day it was pretty harsh. Yeah. you got yeah. no idea what it was like compared to what it's like now. Um, it was very, very harsh. But it, it saddened me because this is an industry I love. To find out that's going on was... And that's a pocket, right? I believe mm. it's a pocket, not the norm. No. Do I believe bullying, harassment, sexual harassment is rife? Absolutely. Mm. Oh, for sure. Um, always has been. Yeah. But it's in every industry, right? Yes, go to the military, go anywhere. Oh, yeah, yes, yes, right? yes. But we are, it is unique and it is um, polarised. Like I try to explain to people when you work FIFO, anything you experience seems more intense because you're not uh, you're not around people who can help you with it. And you've got to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning every day and go to work regardless, right? Yeah. But so whatever you're going through is harder. Yeah, you can't come home and unload and, and, and reset yep. your mind so it stays there and it intensifies. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Um, I grew up in 
my dad died when I was five. So I grew up in a household of women. Wow. And, 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 you know, the idea of, you know, people hurting women just because they're women, eh, eh, it, it does my goat in a bit, you know, because, mm -hmm. I don't know, my mum always taught me that we were put on the planet to actually protect women. Maybe that's really <laughs> old-fashioned, but it, it worked for me. I like that. I think that's good. Yeah. But, you know, I will say that, um, and I'm, I know we'll switch to a positive note eventually, but some of the biggest bullying and harassment I saw over my years was guy to guy because oh, yeah. there wasn't many of us around for them to pick on. So yeah. it was horrific, the stuff that went oh. on with apprentices and even just newbies who come in yep. and new supervisors. And it was very, 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 very bad business. So this isn't a gender thing for me. This is just bullying and harassment, whether it's sexual, whether it isn't, is it's just, it's just not good. It just it's, just, it's just a power play. That's, that, that, yeah. that's all it is. It's a power thing. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's go. A few more questions. All right. Workers in the mine sites, how are they seeing safety? Is Are they seeing it just as a, another level of pain in the butt compliance they have to do? Or are they, are they realising that it's probably put in their place to actually protect them? Well, as my answer to everything is, it depends on who their leader is. Um, if their leader delivers whatever they're supposed to be doing in a manner that makes them believe in said risk management tools or whatever initiatives there are, then they they will believe. Um, if their leader puts it across as here's another bloody thing we got to do, well, guess what? Yeah. But generally, I would say no. Uh, we've lost the workforce. We lost them many, 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 many years ago. We have taught an entire generation how to tick and flee. We've actually taught an entire generation how to tell us what we want to hear. And not only that, we'll give them awards for it. Oh, yeah. um, I'm very cynical, but I stand by that. Now, that doesn't yep. mean that's always the case. No. I do believe in these risk management tools if they were used the way they were intended. Good. But they're not. Yep. Um, so, I mean, for instance, back in the day, four and one, I mean, we built Hope Downs. With, I built Challenger Mindsight. I built Ravensthorpe back in the day. Four weeks on, one off. The take fives when they were new. My crew, they'd write, I'd bust them. They would write four weeks worth mm. in one day on the grog after yep. work and yep. just hand them in. And they were very, 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 very good. And like randomly picked jobs. This is, and this is the proof that I knew we taught a whole generation how to tell us what we want to hear. Yeah. You know, the reason they're invented, we know why they're invented. We know why JSAs were invented. But because the workforce, and, and, again, it's an organisational failure because we keep rewarding them. Like, they'd put one in, a really good one, that yep. they wrote even at home and we give yes. them an award for it. Or people write one on doing a fart and nobody would say anything. So they'd say, what's the point of this shit? No one's reading them. So yep. you can't win, right? Yep. Um, yeah, no, I think the workforce, unless you've got the trust of your workforce, they're going to be cynical about everything. Yep. Even yep. if you do a survey... On their trust. <laughs> if I'll you tell you what you want to hear. Back the results yeah. authentically and honestly and openly, then the next time you do a survey on whatever the hell else you want to know, whether it's safety, whether it's culture, they're like oh, another bloody survey. Um, sadly, 90% of the people I speak to on the ground, especially when it comes to safety tools, no, we've lost them. Yeah. Yeah. We've lost them, mate. They don't believe in any of it. Um, they don't even know half their procedures. They don't even care. Yep. Um, it's dangerous. It scares me because some of those procedures were written in blood. Some of it was mine. Yes. Um, and it's scary. But I get why we're where we're at. But I think that's why I try and do what I do to remind people that, look, this the brutal facts are this shit's probably not going anywhere. Mm. How can we get you to understand what it could do for you and stop you getting hurt today yeah. versus ticky flicking? Or if yeah. not, how can you push back to your bosses in a manner to make them understand that you don't believe in this paperwork and why? Yeah. Yeah, look, uh, take fives. I, my honest opinion of take fives is they're only as good as the supervisor who collects them. Yep. Yeah, if 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 you've been on a site like I was, which is five minutes after you filled them in, you see them in the supervisor's bin, yeah, you're probably not going to take them seriously. <laughs> if if you see vehicle pre-checks and you see the vehicles actually, uh, I don't know, the engine seized because for the last two months everyone's ticked that the oil's fine and no one's actually checked it. Yeah, yeah, and yep, that that that's where we're at with those things. 
All right, JSAs, you touched on them. I have a firm believing with this with JSAs because I've seen this happen in a few places where a safety team, well-intentioned, and most safety people do things with good intentions, mm -hmm. um, they'll send out, they'll, they'll fax out or they'll email out pre-generated JSAs to site that are supposed to have the hazards for that particular job and everyone's just told, just bloody sign on. Now, that defeats the whole purpose of JSAs, I mm -hmm. think, because yeah. it's supposed to actually use the crew's experiences and knowledge of the job and stuff, and then they decide on the controls that they're happy to work with. Am I, am I missing the mark there? No, mate, you're not. I mean, I've seen the evolution of there's a blank bit of paper and no one had a clue to generic ones that just keep revamped to ones now that have prompts to help newer people to, you know, the whole gambit, um, good, bad or ugly. Um, and for me, again, it's about the why were they invented in the first place. Um, and before we had them, like, <laughs> we didn't used to have them, believe it or not. Um, well, I think they thought we had them, but we didn't really. We used to literally go out to the work front and have a chat, mm. like mm. you're supposed to. Yeah. And look around and go, well, that's not going to be good. What are going to do about that, right? Mm. Um, so I think... There's, there are some, the, the problem the problem I have with this whole thing is it's not until it's all lag indicators, right? Normally, unless you do some spot sort of checks along the way, it's not until after the fact when someone's been snotted that they find that they didn't have that control in place or the JSA wasn't correct at the start or whatever, whatever. And then that becomes in the worker's mind an ass covering. Um, so it's a big, massive loop of why we've ended up where we are um but i used to back in the day teach like have to actually teach how to write a jha in a workshop yeah and i used to put on my head a piece of paper and say is this going to save you from anything and i'd screw it up and i'd wipe my butt with it and i'd throw it across the room and they're all looking at each other going you can't do that and i'm there well that's not going to do shit mate if you haven't read it if you don't know what's in it if you don't haven't walked out to the job if you blah 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 then it's not going to do anything Oh, but it'll cover their ass. So it's not what it's there for, mate. Yes, it is. And this is the problem we have. Yep. You know, um, should we take all the pieces of paper away? No. I know that's never going to happen in my generation. Would I like that to happen? Yeah. Will it? No. Um, we need, I don't know what the answer is, That, but that's why I do what I do, is to try and work with the leaders to say, why do you think your people don't believe in these tools and what can we do about that? Yeah. The scary thing for me was I talked to an apprentice. I'd never met this guy before. Talked to him on site. And I said, do you think JHAs and take fives, you know, what's, 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 what do you reckon their purpose? And he said, it's just straight out. He said, it's just management ass covering. So yep. when stuff goes wrong, they're protected. Exactly. That's what they think. And and you're going, you're not even 18. Yeah, you're not yeah. even 18 yeah. and you're believing this shit. Yeah, Exactly. Uh, and to a degree, that he's not wrong. I mean, they've yeah. got a duty of care to make sure they've got the risk management tools in place. Yeah. But again, that's about the organisational messaging and the delivery from every leader at every level about these tools. You know, it's just about, you know, all we need to do is go right back to the why. Why are they here, people? Yeah. And when anyone says to cover their ass, say, well, okay, why else might they be here? You know, um, I, I believe... The best tools we have are the ones, and they're getting better at it. It's about critical controls now. It's about critical risks. It's about what can kill you. Yes. You know, yes. we don't want you to squash your finger. We don't want you to do your back in. However, what we really don't want is for you to be maimed for life or to be dead. And yep. that's where the industry seems to be going more and more now is what can actually kill you today. And I'm really, and verifying those critical control, controls in the field is a very important part of if it's done and again, if it's done the way it's intended, could actually save lives. Because I've been part of teams that have gone out and verified these so-called critical controls. And guess what? The paperwork was brilliant. The controls weren't in place. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, hello. Like, really? How can this? It's, uh, yeah. it's why I walked away from being traditional safety weirdo because I was bashing my head against the wall. Now it's yeah. about who can I influence uh, up as high as I can to say, this isn't working, mate. What else you got? Yeah. 
Yep. Which All is right. getting the trust, the psychological safety for people to speak up when they're taking shortcuts, when they don't believe in this shit. That's when we'll get somewhere. Yeah. Only got time for uh, another couple, Drury. So, all right. Lots of companies have safety slogans. You know the ones. Oh, yeah. I'm for zero and da, 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 all those wonderful things. Does anyone actually believe in them? Well, again, typical consultant answer, it depends. My <laughs> my shortcut would be no. Mm. Um, my What I would like is that they work with psychologists, psychologists come up with these messages to say what's actually going to work and why does that not work because they don't listen to them. Oh, it doesn't matter how much research you throw at them. Our industry is so stuck in its ways. Um, You know, they're not listening and a lot of them are starting to and I love that. Don't get me wrong. I (laughs) sound like I'm bashing the whole industry. I'm not. I love it. Um, But the smart companies and the smart leaders have or employ psychologists or companies that work with psychology-based stuff to say, give us a look at your slogans and your messages and we're going to tell you why that may or may not be hitting the mark. Um, But, again, unless you've got the trust and the psychological safety inherent in your workforce, they're not going to tell you the truth about what they think of these slogans. Yeah, yeah. Right? Um, I don't – I haven't seen any – I haven't seen one – I thought, yay, that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Except I'm a bit biased, you know, except everything in Clive's book <laughs> yeah, is brilliant. Yeah. Read that, yes. people. Yes, it, it is good. All right. We we probably, yeah, we're, we're going to leave it there, Yoni. We're, we're going to leave it there. So thanks very much for your time today, Drewy. Um, please stay in touch. I'll try and send you that thing in the next day or so. I've got it on a USB and I'll, I'll, set, I'll tell you what, I'll send it tonight. Oh, look, thank you. And I'm I'm sorry I've got a bit carried away. I'm very passionate about this stuff and I do believe we're on the right trajectory. Yeah, yeah. And, look, don't apologise. If you're not passionate, you shouldn't be doing it. <laughs> that's a simple thing. That's true. Yeah. All right. That's it for now. Um, look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thank you so much, Tom. I really appreciate you having me on. I'm honoured. So thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Health and Safety Conversations with Tom Bourne. Until next time, stay safe and enjoy the rest of your week.